Hey, Buffy fans, in this special bonus episode of Buffy Virgin connected to Go Fish, Dennis St. John, horror comics cartoonist, interviews horror comics legend Stephen Bissett. Uh, you may know him from his work on Swamp Thing with Alan Moore, but uh, just an amazing horror writer. And he co-wrote uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the monster book, which came out in 2000, all about all the monsters and creatures in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So Dennis talks to Stephen Bissett. It's an awesome short interview. You'll learn all about how the monster book came together and about some of Bissett's favorite water creatures, which is why Dennis interviewed him for this episode. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the interview, and we'll see you next week for more Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right, testing. Looks like... Testing one, two, three. The, the levels look good to me. All right. Okay. Great. Uh, thanks for coming on, Steve. Um, I'm having you on because you are both uh, a monster expert and relevant to the Buffy podcast. You co-wrote the Buffy the Vampire Slayer monster book. I uh, did. Can you... Uh, uh, Talk a little bit about that process. Uh, about working on the, the monster book? Yeah. Well, I was approached by uh, my very good friend Chris Golden. Uh, Chris and I met, God, ages ago at Nikon, which is a um, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, Roger Williams campus in Rhode Island based summer. Horror Writers Conference. It has a limited um, attendance. I think it's like 200 people uh, that they cap it at, and it's professionals, fans, uh, zine writers, you know, covers the whole gamut. And Chris and I met there. So Chris had uh, invited me in on his first ever book project, which was Cut Horror Writers on Horror Films. And um, Chris knew I was pretty dependable as a writer. I may not be as a freelance artist, but I am as a writer. (laughs) And um, uh, he reached out to me when he and uh, Tom Snagowski uh, were uh, contracted to do the Buffy book. And they needed somebody, they wanted somebody that could cover the deep pop culture history stuff. Um, Tom and Chris had you know, the aspects of the Buffy the Vampires show, uh, Vampire Slayer showdown, and they had all the specifics and inside scoops on the TV series and the characters on the series and each episode's guest monster, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but I was the guy who, you know, went deep and did the sections of the book about the backgrounds of those those archetypes. Um, and I, if, if memory serves, Tom... Snagowski and I uh, sort of divvied up those aspects of the chapter, and Tom did some, and I did either a half to two-thirds of, uh, of it. And oh, yeah. I know that everything I turned down had to be cut down. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I turned it too much. That's um, one of the things I recently bought. That's what that's one of the things I like. I recently bought the book for the first time, and even though it's not credited who writes what section, it's always because I know you're writing fairly well. It's always really clear to me what you wrote because it's like so in depth and so like long, and like it's referencing things like Nancy Collins and like um, like referencing like uh, just different things you wouldn't expect, you know. So I'm like, oh, I know Steve wrote this section, like. <laughs> Um, that's my ballpark, you know. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just how my head works. I'll, I'll watch a movie or I'll watch a TV show, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing all kinds of connections. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it was a lot of fun working on the book because of that. I mean, it was a real pressure cooker. We, we had a very tight deadline. Uh, our publisher uh, on the project, I think it was Pocket Books, uh, you know, it, it had to come out within a very narrow window. Of course, it was a licensed book because it was, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so there were also uh, constraints involving that. Everything had to be approved by whoever the corporate rep was for, you know, the Buffy series and so on. So um, we had to go through that filter. Um, yeah, now I'm on that side of it with, I mean, not with Buffy, but now I understand yeah, that. Yeah, you're working with the Schultz music. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So, oh, I don't know if I was supposed to say that. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know if that was a cultural secret. No, I usually make but, some oblique reference to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you know, you know, you know that process by heart from the licensor side at the at this point, and that meant that things had to be in not according to the schedule the book was going to be published, but well in advance because it had to go through the 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 uh, peer review process, if yeah. you will, before we were anywhere near the publisher deadline. So yeah. it was a real pressure cooker, but it was a fun project. Cool. Um, um, this episode... I also give a little oh, background yeah. on, I mean, I, I mentioned where I met Chris. I I knew Tom Snigowski, uh from back in the late 80s. In fact, I met Tom... I believe I met Tom at a comic book store in Lynn, Massachusetts, which was the um, the hometown of my first wife, Marlene O'Connor, and I'm pretty sure I met Tom at a comic shop that, that uh, used to be in Lynn. It's long gone now, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm the editor who first published Tom Snagowski. He's a big-time, you know, uh, award-winning, well-renowned novelist, these days, but when I met Tom, he was he was an aspiring writer, and uh, his first story was published in Taboo One. Oh wow! He the did first the story one. Tooth Decay that Mike Hoffman illustrated about uh, a guy who has a trip to the dentist that does not turn out any way that any one of us would <laughs> want a trip to the dentist to turn out. But what we all fear. <laughs> cool. Uh, so this uh, episode uh, features a uh, fish monster, which is the reason I kind of I kind of thought, oh, Steve would be great for a fish monster one. Oh, I love fish monsters. Yeah. yeah, your all-time favorite uh, is the creature from the Black Lagoon, right? That's right. In fact, I I was just thinking about the Gill Man this week. Um, I'm wrapping up work on a book called Cryptid Cinema, uh, C R Y P T I D. And I'm doing it with book designer Tim Paxton, who is a longtime zine creator and editor. Uh, Tim operates out of Ohio, and uh, he's doing the design on the book. And I nice. turned in this um, uh, this reader's poll that I took informally on Facebook of people's favorite cryptids. And um, uh, once I tallied it up, I asked Tim, do you want to vote in the poll? And that if he would, I would. And his favorite cryptid of all time uh, in movies is the creature from the Black Lagoon, and I said, "Yeah, mine too." Um, so yeah, and you know the weird thing was I loved the creature from the Black Lagoon before I ever got to see the movie. Um, it's a character I fell in love with mm. from the model kit. I think that was my second 
Aurora model kit. I'm I'm 62 now, so I was of the age and generation when those first Aurora model kits came out in the early 60s, and my favorite was the Creature. Um, what do you think uh, then, draws you to the Creature? Oh, God. I, you know, I don't know what it was. I think part of it was I love dinosaurs, so the Creature from the Black Lagoon is like the perfect synthesis of human and you know, primordial reptile. It's that perfect uh, uh, mix of the two. Yeah. And he was just a really cool-looking monster. I mean, I liked Frankenstein's monster, and Dracula was okay, and the Wolfman was kind of cool, but the creature was just, I don't know, there was something about it. And later in life, I think I was in college when I first stumbled on... Um, a copy of I'm not going to remember the correct name of the magazine I think it was Mechanics Illustrated (laughs) (laughs) which in 1953 did a cover feature about the making of the creature I mean it's a color photo of of the creature suit on the front of the magazine and I found that in like a you know a second hand store or an antique shop or something I bought it and um, uh, and that's where I found that a woman had designed the Gill Man Melissa Patrick had had a hand at the right. writing very often uncredited say again? oh she's very often uncredited yeah exactly I mean Bud Westmore took credit for it the, the Westmore brothers being Hollywood's aristocracy of makeup departments for all the studios so Bud Westmore uh, was the one at Universal and I had read in Famous Monsters as a kid that Jack Kevin had had a hand in the creature but finding this old you know Mechanics Illustrated magazine from the early 50s is where I first read the name Melissa Patrick and if I remember there was even a photo of her in the magazine and that made sense to me like there was a sense of grace yeah to the creature you know the creature is like this live it's you know built like a basketball player or a skin diver <laughs> yeah and it, it just had this really uh, believable physique that, that looked like something that was long, lean, and muscular and, and could really injure you if you messed with it. And I don't know why the creature appealed to me so. That was like, I mean, that was the one monster all kids go through, you know, being bullied or, or feeling uh, vulnerable in the big bad world. And the creature was kind of, you know, that was my wish fulfillment. There were times huh. where I, I wish I were like the guilt man. Yeah, if only I had those mitts. <laughs> His hands, they're so big. Um, yeah, but it was also cool that he had gills and he could swim underwater and he wouldn't have to come up for air. And There were all these perks to being the gill man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I finally saw them. I don't think I saw the movie until, you know, my college years or, or, or around the time I graduated from high school. And... Um, it just was never shown on TV where I grew up. It wasn't part of the TV station syndicate packages of movies, and it wasn't part of the chiller theater package that the local TV station showed late night. Um, I, you know, I had I had the Castle Films eight millimeter cutdowns of the creature, so I'd seen those, but that wasn't comparable to watch, seeing the movie in three D. Um, and it was one of the rare monster movies that actually lived up to whatever it was I had in my head. Oh, yeah. 
That sometimes, so. that very often happens when you're, especially when you're a kid and you've been thinking about a movie for years before you actually get a chance to see it. And you're like, this, this is the thing I was afraid of. This is the, or, you know, this is what I've been wanting to see yeah, for like yeah, 10 years. This is the thing I thought was going to be so cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the creature lived up to it. It was great. I mean, I, there were passages in that film that just, it's still one of my favorite uh, monster movies. Um, it's, it's, and he's still a great character. So yeah, that was my my first Fishman love. Ah. <laughs> Any uh, other Fishmen to recommend? We usually do sure. a recommendation uh, section. I mean, as I was growing up, comic books were you know because the creature was a popular uh, character, and there had even been a creature for, uh, comic book from Dell Comics that came out in '64, I think '63, '62 or '63. Um, you know, there were a lot of fishmen that would pop up in comic books. They were always sort of bogus creatures. Um, and then there was the one that was in, I think it was Mad Monster Party, right? Was yeah. Was a giant monster, like a fish guy? Yeah. And that, and that, uh, that, that was a character I always liked. I think it was supposed to be King Kong originally, and they were they didn't, couldn't license Kong, so. Yeah, and they just call him, uh, It, right? Throughout that movie, or like the thing, or something. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, they named him the it. I think you're right. I think that's what they kept referring to it, to it as. Um, and there was a kid. There were also fishmen that would pop up in movies like Warlords of the Deep, which was this schlocky Vincent Price. They wished it was an Edgar Allan Poe movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the genre um, of pretending to be Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and where they they had Vincent read some Poe poem at the end of the movie or something, but that had a kind of a cool looking fish man in it. Um, I don't know. I for me, I guess it was more. Um, I guess it was more that I kind of had to draw my own fish man because yeah. there weren't that many of them out there. You know, it does seem like of the like classic Universal monsters, it's the most underrepresented. That's right? true. Anybody yeah. can make a werewolf movie. A Universal owns the Wolfman, but they don't own werewolves. Anybody can make a Dracula movie. Bram Stoker's Dracula's in public domain. Anybody can make a Frankenstein anything they want. But with the creature, that's their baby. They own the trademark, and that meant that there was kind of a proprietary legal structure there that other uh, filmmakers and publishers and so on sort of had to be careful not to tread too close to. And, and that may have resulted in that. I think the other thing, too, that we should mention is, I mean, it wasn't movies or comics. It was once I got old enough to read H.P. Lovecraft. Right. And I first read Shadow Over Innsmouth. I mean, then that presented a whole nother level to the archetype of the, the fish man, the fish people. And that one was even creepier because I had never, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to read essays about Jack Arnold's films and how there's a sexual component to that whole scene with the creature swimming under um, various women right. <laughs> uh, in the lagoons. But it's another thing when you read a Lovecraft story and suddenly the whole idea of miscegenation between human beings and these, <laughs> you know, the deep ones. Right. <laughs> that, that stuff was got creepier. And also... You know, I didn't discover Lovecraft till I was eleven or twelve, and by then you're 
old enough to start being curious about human sexuality and stuff. And that made that story really troubling. That way, <laughs> I never thought about the Gill Man. The right. Gill Man was a chaste monster. Yeah. Uh, although uh, the kind of between Gill Man and Innsmouth is maybe uh, Humanoids from the Deep, where they're being explicit yeah, see, about... that didn't exist when I was a kid. That's true, yeah. I mean, Humanoids from the Deep, I saw that when it... Uh, when it was first in release, I saw it at a drive-in, uh, actually about, I'd say about seven miles from where I'm talking to you right now, the uh, Mount of Scutney Drive-In, which no longer exists. It's long gone. I think there's a trailer park now where the, where the drive-in was. Um, saw Humanoids from the Deep there. So, so I didn't, you know, that, that imagery that you grew up with was yeah. never there when I was a kid. I mean, we didn't have fish rape monster movie <laughs> <laughs> different generation but you did <laughs> I did yeah you did <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think of where else they would have popped up um yeah I think those were the big two you know Creature from the Black Lagoon those three movies and uh, and the Lovecraft stuff um then uh, there were other examples we could bounce off each other. Everything from you know movies like Slithis to Zat. Yeah. Know, the uh, the Bloodwaters of Doctor <laughs> Z was the other title for Zat. That's the world's only walking catfish man movie. <laughs> yeah, I think the Buffy uh, monster has a bit of a catfish face, so maybe it's more he influenced more by Zat. More catfish face than, than the catfish monster in Zat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot the other one. There is another big one, Dennis. Is it uh, with alligators? It's the, it's the Incredible Mr. Limpet. <laughs> with Don Knotts. That was a big yeah. movie when I was a kid, you know, because Don Knotts was, was, that was Don Knotts' like, breakthrough movie. That was his first big role after he'd been, he was still playing Barney Fife on, on uh, the Andy Griffith show. And I remember my parents taking us to the drive-in to see The Incredible Mr. Limpet. And and it was in Life magazine. I think Life magazine had a pictorial. So, um, uh, and that was a big one. And they that was a fish guy, you know? It's yeah. Like Henry Limpet wanted, he, he loved fish so much, he wanted to become a fish. And just by wishing, he becomes a fish. And he ends up winning World War II for us. Who knew? It wouldn't have happened without the fishermen. That's it. And he fell in love with a fish who was kind of a fish girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while a since I've seen that fish. movie. A sexy fish. That's always a disturbing concept. Um, I was also thinking about the alligator movie we saw in theaters together. Um, creature. Yeah, Creature. Uh, I loved Creature. Which the, hey, what's uh, your memory of Creature? Well, I, I'm not going to say anything more. you got to talk about Creature. Uh, and I'll talk about Creature. I very specifically remember us trying to see it and the guy who owned the theater or the manager like not wanting to sell us tickets. Uh, so we had to convince him to like let us see this movie and pay him. Uh, and then it was... I mean, it's a great movie. Uh, totally underrated. It has... Uh, we were, I think, the only people in the theater. Uh, it had a very, like... one guy in there with us. <laughs> who showed up after, yeah. 
9-11 of the year it came out, which I think was 2011. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that guy, the, he's the manager at the, uh, uh, at the uh, Lebanon uh, uh, Multiplex, Lebanon, New Hampshire Multiplex. And it's funny you mention that because I just last week went to see Annabelle Creation. Oh, yeah. And he, before I went in, he's like, I think you're going to like this one, right? He was kind of talking it up. And I go in, and it was it was awful. It was the worst <laughs> of the Conjuring movies. And that says a lot. Yeah. Um, and I came out, and he goes, what do you think? And I did like a thumbs down, and then I went, it was no creature. <laughs> <laughs> and he immediately started bitching. <laughs> Sid Haig and it had like gruesome a gruesome finale uh, it had incest between yeah. brothers and sisters it was great what else do you need in a movie what else do you need <laughs> I know yeah it opened up with that uh, Cajun last going skinny dipping dip, dip and a half yeah it's always a smart <laughs> idea to go skinny dipping in the swamp <laughs> there you go um, they don't make them like that anymore <laughs> And when they do, they poorly distribute them. Uh. Yeah, exactly. Well, that actually opened everywhere. I mean, that's what was amazing about Creature, is it did have distribution. It opened everywhere. And and horror fans, or self-avowed horror fans, people who call themselves horror fans, were immediately on the Internet dissing it and admitting that not only had they not seen it, that it was a point of pride that they weren't going to see it. Yeah. And that like drove me nuts. That was like, <laughs> you know. So that that was kind of willed into oblivion. Yeah. Um, and the poor filmmaker. I mean, the guy who actually wrote and directed it did an amazing job with a very meager budget. Yeah, they made a great suit, and, and then like, nobody would go. Yeah. All right. Um, so you've already mentioned your cryptid cinema. Are you working on any other new projects? Yeah. Cooked up. Um, and we did two issues uh, before you uh, moved yourself across the country to a new world and a new livelihood. And uh, it's high time that we gather that material with some new stuff. So I'm, I'm working on that. Awesome. And I, I also uh, turned in a book to a British publisher. Um, PS Publications has a, a, an imprint called Electric Theater, and they've got a line of Midnight Movie monographs, and I did um, my first monograph for them. Uh, it's a book about David Cronenberg's The Brood Ooh. Uh, from 1979. That's still my favorite Cronenberg film. And yeah. um, I have worked really hard on it. 
I, I put over a year of work into this book, and uh, my editor, Neil Snowden, is very happy with what he's got, so um, that should be out sometime within the next six months or so. Awesome. Um, yeah, we'll promote it when it comes out. other things in the, in the hopper, so. Cool. All right. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Hey, my great pleasure, Dennis. All right.